Greetings and welcome back to episode number 67 of the podcast. Today, I'm speaking with Ariel Levy, a brand photographer who actually took my last batch of brand photos, as you see on my website. We had a great conversation about the role of photography, but also how that's going to evolve in the new wave of digital marketing and what the role of the photographer really is when we start chatting about Web3, when we talk about NFTs, when we talk about art and marketing as it continues to evolve. So I hope you enjoy the episode. Kiss my aesthetic. Branding, marketing, entrepreneurship. You're listening to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle Winterstein of MKW Creative Co., where we build brag-worthy brands through visual identity, design, and social media. You're in the right spot for branding, marketing, and entrepreneurship advice, so enjoy the episode. Greetings and welcome back to the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I have photographer extraordinaire Ariel on the podcast. Welcome. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to have you. For people who don't know you and haven't seen my new branding photos, which I don't know how because they're all over my website and all over social, you absolutely killed it. Um, Can you tell us who you are and what you do? Yes. My name's Ariel Levy. I'm a photographer for brands, bloggers, content creators, and all female entrepreneurs. Love that. Um, Take us back to the beginning because we had a great conversation when I was actually in your studio, beautiful glow studio, of course, talking about kind of how you started. I know you said really in the blogger space, but take us back to the beginning of those very, very first days when you set out as a photographer. Give us some context and background. (laughs) Well, the original time I was 16 in high school, I did film Um, I loved it. I was obsessed. I would stay in the dark room like all the time after class and just kind of let it go a little bit. Um, When I was 23, ended up taking a class to learn digital and I loved it again. But my boyfriend at the time kind of made fun of me. Um, So I kind of dropped it again. And then when I was 25, I worked in a casino um, I worked in the high limit room with a bunch of rich people just gambling all their money away. And I knew I wanted to be free like them, just to show up whenever I wanted, you know, have a free schedule, be an entrepreneur. And like I talked to one of my players and he said, like, what do you like to do? What do you love to do? Um, if you follow what you like really love to do you'll be successful. So the only thing I like to do really was shop and do photography. So I decided to pick up photography again. And I made a post on my Facebook just saying like, if I have any family or friends who want a free photo shoot, I'm open. And I got a bunch of different comments. And I started from there. So that's how I originally started. What year was this that you made the Facebook post? Do you remember? Yeah, I post it every year. So just to like remind people like where I came from, probably like 2015. Okay. Okay. So I started 2014. So we're not that far off as far as years back. Um, But similar experience, I got my first jobs through context from my mom who knew a realtor and who knew my first client ever was this brand called Premier Inflatables. And they 
they rented out like jump houses for your backyard and I made them like some postcards and flyers for $15 an hour as a 20 year old brand for you. No, (laughs) I mean, it could come back around, but yeah, yeah, no, it definitely wasn't the kind of brands that I'm working with now, of course. And it's really easy. I think on social media to see someone where they're at and not know or not dig deep enough to figure out how far they've come. Like, do you look back on those old photo shoots ever? Oh, of course. And that's why like every year, I think I actually skipped last year. I need to do it soon. But every year I I do a post where I show that original Facebook post and I talk to people about it because, I mean, I work with so many female entrepreneurs or people who are just starting their own business or their own personal brand and they want to follow their dream and they have so many reasons why they shouldn't and why they're not, you know, where they want to be. And I'm like, we all started this one way. And you just mm-hmm. have to start. That's how you, that's just how you get to each next step. You just kind of go for it. Yeah. I'm a big fan of messy action over inaction. Same thing. I had my first clients and I had to look at my parents and said, how do I send an invoice? <laughs> like, what yeah. is an invoice? I don't even know what that means, right? Because all I had was a Facebook page and illustrator on my computer. And I said, yeah, I can try to figure it out, learn as I go. But there's so much value in learning as you go and kind of, not like camp of hard knocks, but kind of learning it by doing it and knowing that you're gonna make mistakes along the way, right? Yes. And those mistakes are what helps you what help you make a amazing business. I mean, I just had something happen last week. I'm learning every day still. Totally. Okay. So it's we're 2014, 2015-ish. You've made the post on Facebook. You did those first few photo shoots. At what point did you realize like, wow, this is actually kind of taking off. Like, I think I could do this as a full-time gig. I was getting a lot of different inquiries, messages, and I just knew that this is not what I wanted to do. I didn't want to shoot my family and friends. I didn't want to shoot babies running in a field. I I knew I wanted a little bit more editorial. So I decided to look on, you know, indeed.com mm-hmm. for jobs. My mom told me to. She said, see if there's any photography jobs out there. So I found a magazine that was hiring and I sent them an email actually to see if I could assist somebody. And they actually wrote back and say said that I could go shoot my own article. So yeah. So that's exciting. That's where it all kind of happened, actually. Um, I got set up with a fashion blogger, Fashion Lush, and we kind of hit it off. Amazing. So then if I had to guess, that's probably like 2017, 2018-ish? No, this was or just earlier. like a few months in, actually. Really? Yeah, okay. it was like three or four months in. Um, I've always kind of like loved a challenge and I get kind of bored and like I know what I want. So You know, it only took me a few months to realize, like, I wanted something different. Okay. Okay. That's pretty remarkable that you could recognize from the onset. I don't want to shoot my friends. I don't want to shoot babies. I don't want to do, because that is a whole market. It it was really similar for me when I decided I don't want to offer any services except branding. I only want to do branding because I was tired of doing like the onesie twosie projects. I felt like I was spread super thin. I wasn't good at any one thing but then you niche down. So now you're in editorial and then that's starting to evolve. How would you say that your photography, like, or why brand photography or telling a story for with photography for something like a magazine or someone's Instagram as an influencer? Why is that so important? What is, what is the essence of like brand photography in your words? Um, I think it's important just because 
when people look at, I mean, just to put it very simple, when they look at your website, right, they want to know that you know what you're doing, right? And just subconsciously having like really beautiful images shows that you're successful in a way because you could hire someone to do that. You know how to plan, you know how to visually come up with like something, you know? So it sets you apart from other people, even like what you're wearing. There's like visual cues that speak to someone. For example, I know this is really cheesy, but lately I've been noticing like almost every single person that comes into my studio has a Cartier bracelet and I have a Cartier ring. And I'm not saying that that's something everybody needs, but it just... It's something that when someone sees it, they know what that is. So even if my client doesn't have one, they usually know what it is. Mm -hmm. So there's just like a unspoken visual. It's very like subconscious sometimes, but your brand photography is very important. Totally. I totally know what you're saying by this Cartier example, because that's how I felt when I went to, there's a networking group that used to be in San Diego and when I was like, maybe it was like maybe 2017, 2018, like trying to network like crazy and get more brand design projects. I walked into this networking group and I'd been to like the chamber of commerce and the other boring ones and like whatever. And I walked into this women's networking group and I, we were all drinking mimosas and everyone had their nails done. And I was like, yes, this place is for me. Like, these are my people. Like, I love that we're all casual enough to like, just start drinking at 8am on a Friday. But also like, there was just this level of like leaning into being feminine, being girly, but also like making a lot of money and like being a boss about it. And I think your Cartier example is that even if you know what it is, like it says something about the person that wears it, right? That you like to invest in things that you think are worth investing in and that you have a level of like style and class and elegance and luxury. That's probably part of their branding also, right? Yeah. And branding, like, especially with a service-based business, it's a lot of it is like community. So you want to show your brand is something like you want to attract a similar person. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I've never honestly put much effort into my own brand. I just do what I like and I wear what I like and I have the background that I like. I created a studio that I like, but I always bring women into my business that I really like. Mm -hmm. And they're usually similar to me too. So I would like tell people when you're crafting your personal brand and your personal branding shoot, who do you want to attract? That's like, I mean, you know that everybody knows that, but it's true. And who do you want to attract? Not only from the words that you say, but the kind of visuals that you create, right? So who do you want to attract based on the lifestyle that you have or your personal fashion, or are you wearing crazy makeup or are you supernatural? Like, where is that balance? Because I think a lot of that plays into our perception of recognizing like with like, like, oh, these are my kind of people, right? The same feeling as like walking in and seeing everybody's got their nails done and has a mimosa in their hands. That to me, because that's who I am. So to see that in the community sense, I think you're spot on. Um, A marketing question for you. Yeah. Let's talk about how you can communicate marketing messages with photography. So you're working with people on an ongoing basis, but I would also imagine like more on a campaign, like we're shooting this specific campaign for this specific thing that yeah. I'm doing, right? Um, how do you play up on brand adjectives with aesthetics? So you said you just do what you like, but I think there's more intention there. I think there's way more intention there. Yeah. Okay. So like, tell me like an adjective, like as an sure. example. So um, let's go bold, clean, 
quirky, I think is a fun adjective. How would you kind of play up those adjectives in photography? That's perfect. So I just had a branding shoot, the one you were talking about a few weeks ago with Paulina. Um, She has a organic meal prep service in San Diego. It's really amazing. Um, And she wanted something that was like bold, clean, quirky, like a little different. So we came up, well, actually she really did. She came up with this. She had like so many great ideas to use like organic produce and have like really bold colors. Like usually she wouldn't do color, but she wanted to start getting more bold and more quirky. So we did certain shots where like, it's like her foot, a leather boot, and then there's like broccoli, kale and orange, like sitting on top of it. It's just like a fun little detail shot. And we wanted it to be different. So we decided to do like strobe flashlight instead of just like soft natural light because soft natural light's very like you know it's like nice normal like Mm -hmm. but we wanted it expected yeah exactly we want it to be like bold totally okay so contrast that how would you approach a photo shoot if their brand adjectives were soft feminine and airy because that's kind of the opposite right yeah I would make sure that the light was very bright maybe suggest like some flowers or like going out somewhere like the beach or just having like a very thinking of like the color palette, like maybe doing monotone. So like all white, avoiding anything dark or colorful, going somewhere that is airy. Like I think the beach, I kind of picture beach too. I picture flowy and really like gauzy, feminine, like pastels, like really dreamscape, like a fluffy cloud, Mm -hmm. right? So you can totally lean into those adjectives based on what you're trying to communicate. Walk us through a little bit of your process. What is it like to work with you and how much of that research or inspiration gathering do you do before you approach a photo shoot with someone? Yeah. So the next thing I was going to say too about that was a lot of, I've noticed lately just in this certain timeframe, everyone's like so busy and they're so overwhelmed. I think there's, I mean, there could be a million reasons why that is, but people don't want to shoot outside as much, especially because maybe the beach has nothing to do with their brand, you know? Yep. And I think we're in this stage where, you know, video is really important. So the photos are more about like them. So that's kind of why I created like a lifestyle studio that was really blank, white, Mm -hmm. airy. Um, It's very like clean. So it's more like about the person. Right. Right. So first, the first thing I'll ask is like where, what location are they thinking of? Because it could go so many different ways. And right now it's about like 80% my studio, which is awesome because I love shooting there. It has amazing light and it's very blank and just a good, clean canvas for your rebrand. Because as you know, like creating logos and like websites, you can pick any color to use and it will go with the photography. So it's, it's very nice. And then I'll always ask them first, like if they have any inspo, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. sometimes people will send me like a totally different style than what I do. And I really have to... I have to like over communicate. I'm realizing um, with people and make sure we're on the same page. We have the same expectations because if I can't do that, I have to tell them, no, we're not a good match. So I'll get a little bit of inspo um, and then I'll hop on a call with them. 
because I need to hear from them. They'll usually tell me like some of their insecurities or what they need help with. I always make sure to tell them that they need to come exactly how they want to look in the photos that I'm not going to be doing surgery to them in Photoshop Mm -hmm. if their clothes don't fit. You know, they, I also have like resources now, like someone I can connect with them if they don't have a mood board. I have Mm -hmm. someone that can help them create all of their creative direction because it's just not my strongest point. I also have a stylist that can help them with outfits because that's so important for your brand. Like so important what you wear. Um, You can't just wear like a t-shirt and jeans that you wear to Walmart. Right. Totally. Yeah. Unless that's what you want to attract. Yeah. You told me this in our process too. I asked you specifically because I, I wanted these new photos to kind of be represent this like new era of my business. Right. And I was kind of before the pandemic, I was totally solopreneur and all of my photos were really, really about me. And then, then the pandemic hit and we weren't really going out or doing anything. And I got a few more photos and I liked those as well. And I kind of, like I said, wanted to kind of embrace this new chapter where I was more of the creative director role and took on a more serious persona where I could Mm -hmm. then, yeah, I might be the face of my brand, but like with the understanding that there were people that were now working with me, even if they weren't in the photo. And so I think that using your studio was a great way to do that. But also I remember you telling me, cause I was like, maybe I want to get my makeup done. And you said, you know what? Everyone that's gotten their makeup done has wished that they hadn't. You should just do your makeup that you're used to. And then you'll look like yourself. And I think that was spot on advice. Like that was yeah. really, really helpful. I definitely like, <laughs> this is going to sound crazy. I'm a little psychic. Like I'm okay. kind of like intuitive. So with people, like I don't tell that to everybody. Sure. Okay. I definitely, I feel like with you, I I never see you like all glammed up with like all this, Rarely, you know, you're very like approachable, which is like awesome because it makes, you know, people watching you like they trust, I trust that. Like you're not always trying to look perfect, which I can take a note from that because I probably need to show a little more more vulnerability. But um, I feel like if you would have gotten your makeup done, because I know like some great makeup artists, but I know like you would have mm-hmm. been like, oh God. Yeah. <laughs> no, my whole family's like that too. My sister had her makeup done for a wedding and she goes, I don't even recognize myself. Like I don't even know who that person is. And that was a really solid suggestion. Yeah. yeah. Because the people who had came before me, they're kind of like similar to you in a way where I like, they they were like, no, I have to get my makeup done. It's going to make me confident. And then they were like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do another shoot after this. They were saying that. So Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's important. Obviously, when you pay for photography, you want to have an elevated look. But I think for someone as a business owner, if you're the face of your business, you want to be recognizable on your social and on your website. You don't want to see someone that you don't you don't then recognize when you have a video call with them. Right. And half the video calls I take, I'm like in a hat, my workout clothes just came from a dog walk, like got my groceries on the counter. Mm -hmm. Um, but that like, it may be not the most professional in an old school way, but it's very authentic to me and to my brand and to the kind of people I work with is that kind of casualness in the very like Southern California way. Um, so I love that we captured that so well, cause that was a really helpful guideline too. What do you do to kind of help prep clients on the day of their shoot? So then they show up and, and if they, maybe they haven't shot a lot before, how do you help them feel like comfortable in their skin or comfortable in the set of being in a photo shoot? Cause it can be kind of a lot of pressure. 
Yeah, I just, I don't do so much. That's the thing about me is I, and I think that helps in a way, but I just say, oh, you're going to be fine. It's going to be fun. Like, come on, like, let's go hang up your clothes. Let's just go over a little bit again, your inspo. And do you want like smiling photos or serious photos? And, you know, just like, even if I already know, like, I remember what we had talked about, I just kind of go over it again and just put on some music. Like I'll ask them if they want a drink, if they want a shot. Only one person's taken <laughs> shot before. Um, okay. But nice. yeah, I'll just kind of like talk to them a little bit and then I'll say, don't worry. Like I'm so, cause this is so true. Like I get nervous really easily, like in front of new people or public speaking, like even on this podcast, honestly, you guys, <laughs> I'm a little nervous, like, cause I know people are going to be listening even on my own social media. Like right. I get stage fright. So like, don't worry. Like, I'm so awkward in pictures. Like, I will do the pose that I want them to do and okay. I'll show them and I'll be like, see, I look so bad, but you're going to look good. And I'll, t- <laughs> yeah. And I'll tell them, like, yeah, I'll just say, like, it's acting, you know? That's, in my opinion, like, being in front of a camera is acting. You're, totally. you're, you need to channel, like, who you want to be in your brand totally. and your business. Like, I mean, every day, I think it's really important actually to like visualize what you're going to be doing. Um, Olympic athletes do this and highly successful people do this too. So there's two different things. It's called like a flow state. Do you know that? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You're supposed to have music that makes you feel good, which we have on. And then to like, I always like visualize how the shoot's going to go the day before or even on my way there. And then once you're there, you ride the wave, right? Yeah. And I think this is really consistent with a lot of creatives and the feeling of burnout or the feeling of not knowing when to outsource things or set boundaries or all of that stuff, which I want to get into as well. I always use a surfing analogy, just I think growing up in Southern California, it makes the most sense where if you're your creativity, you can't flip it on and off like a light switch, right? Like some days you're really on top of your game and some days you're just doing the bare minimum to just get through what you need to get through. So then you can hopefully get back out. But if you, (laughs) if you equate it to surfing, right. And there's this great set of waves coming in and they're perfect and they're the perfect size and the perfect shape and you're paddling and you're having the best time and you're riding that creative wave and things are going great and you're energized from riding it in and then you can paddle back out and then you can go back out again like if you're in that flow it's amazing but we can't expect every single wave to be perfect every single time right because then that set is done and now maybe the next day you go out and you have shit waves but if you didn't give yourself like if you go back out into the shit waves and you try to paddle as if they're the best waves ever and try to ride them as if they're the best waves ever and they're not, you're just going to get yourself so tired that by the time a good wave comes in, you're going to be spent, right? So it's yeah. kind of that idea of like recharging your batteries of like ride the good creative wave when you're on it, know when to rest because you're going to get new like good waves again, but you can't always guarantee they're going to come in every single time when you want them to come in. So for women also to get into the kind of like the woo-woo space, it's very cyclical. It's very monthly, if you catch my drift. And I know for my my work process, there are like the first two weeks of the month, I feel amazing. And the last two weeks of the month are shit. And my energy is depleted and I'm not feeling on top of my game. And I know now because I've done it long enough that that's not a permanent state of being. Do you resonate yes. with those ideas? Oh, yeah. I was just about to tell you, I'm su- like one of my passions is like investing 
And there's a quote that like I'm literally obsessed with because I'm like, oh my God, this is true in investing and it's true everywhere. I think it's by Dave Ramsey, which I don't really know anything about him, but he says this, the only people that get hurt on roller coasters are the one that jump off. Okay. So it's like investing, like your stock or crypto might go up like this and then down like this and then down like this and then up like that forever. Like Amazon, like in 1990 or something, they crashed like all the way down. And then now they're like all the way up. So like if you were an investor in them, you only would have got hurt if you jumped off right here. But if you would have just stayed on the ride, you would have been Stay fine. the course. Totally. Let's talk about that because the crypto space is still very new to me, but you and I talked about it for so long when we were, we were shooting at your space. So how did you get into it? And kind of where do you see the two things either being related or not related between photography and like your interest in the crypto space? Yeah. Well, I guess I have like a pattern because I got into it in like 2016 and just gave it up. And then, you know, I just bought in, I saw it going down and I got scared and I sold it. So I jumped off the roller coaster. I got back on like, at the top of the bull run in like, or no, October, 2021. And I realized, oh, there's like strategy to this because I just jumped in, which I usually do, but that's the best way to learn. So I realized, Mm -hmm. okay, there's cycles. Like you want to buy when things are low. Of course. And then if you want to be a trader, you could sell when they're high or you can hold if you're buying Mm -hmm. quality things. That's the main point. But yeah, so I started learning the pattern and it interested me so much because I'm like, wow, this is actually kind of easy if you know what to do. And I think a lot of people give up because they don't figure out what they need to do in -hmm. investing or in like so many different things like business too. So yeah, it's, it's interesting to me because crypto, I thought it was like bad, you know, gambling. That's how it's kind of portrayed in the news, but it's actually like technology. Totally. Totally. And I think the interesting extension, the fact that you started with photography and you're working with all these female entrepreneurs, everyone's always preaching about like multiple streams of income, multiple streams of revenue. Even before we started recording this podcast, you're like, yeah, I'm kind of getting bored of photography. So what's next? And does that have to do with, do you tie being bored with photography with the way that Instagram is going? Or do you consider the two things to be separate? Um, definitely both. So I basically, I guess I never even finished my whole story, but for oh, yeah. about, Sorry. yeah, but basically, <laughs> no, it's okay. Cause basically for about like, well, actually, since I started with that first fashion blogger until now, I still shoot bloggers. Um, that's like basically what I was shooting. And that that area um, has changed so much with video. So now... And that being Instagram content, correct? Yeah. like So what I was shooting was, or still do, um, fashion bloggers. So basically like influencer marketing. So if a company has a product... They would hire the influencer and they would shoot it with me for their blog or Instagram. And so that was doing like super well because people didn't want their ads from TV. They wanted personal, they wanted to be like sold by a personal brand that they could trust. So influencers are a form of like personal branding. So that was going really well. But then I think people caught on to that being an ad too. And so now it's like, cell phone photos, 
and videos, TikToks and reels. So that's kind of why I transitioned a little bit into female entrepreneurs, which I still love, but I guess I'm a little bored, yes, with Instagram because I think people put too much weight on it in a way. Like there's other ways to do things like word of mouth or video. I don't know. I just get kind of bored. Yeah. I mean, photography will always be a needed skill, right? Mm -hmm. Capturing something in that way in a still image will always, always, always be valuable because there's so many use cases for photography. Like, yes, Instagram was a major, major spot for photography, but think about websites, e-commerce photos, email marketing, print design, newspaper ads, magazine features. Like photography really gets used all over the place. Elevate that to video on the other hand. And I think you're into something really interesting. And I think for as much as off the cuff or cell phone or lo-fi TikTok and Reels feel that there is going to be a window that opens up the same way that having a DSLR camera in 2016 and you had a blog, like all of a sudden now you're on the fast track to being an influencer. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think, so I think what intrigues me so much about crypto, so it's not just crypto, it's a lot of like crypto is web three, which is kind of Mm -hmm. like the new internet. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of, I mean, it's so complicated. I can't even explain it, but it's like decentralized internet. So in web two, like Facebook and Instagram, they use our information to make money, right? So basically like if you are using an app for free, you are the product. But so web three is kind of going to change that And you'll start hearing that like more and more in like the metaverse and things Mm -hmm. like that. So of course I love photography and I'm always going to be doing it, but it's something where I literally have to like trade my time for money. So that's why I've been trying to open my mind up to other things because I'm like, I just want to evolve a little more. Past this. Exactly. The metaverse thing, I don't think I've even talked about all the metaverse stuff on the podcast. And even when I talked with you, I did more research after that. Yeah. And the possibilities within the metaverse are wild. So I'll preface this by saying I'm a technology optimist. Like you can choose two routes about technology. You can say, this is going to ruin humanity. Everything's terrible. We should stop spending time on screens, blah, 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 whatever. You can be a total dystopian, like not into it person, or you can say, wow, this is going to be so incredible. And what a cool opportunity, um, to go down this whole path and create this whole different way that we interact with technology and interact with Mm -hmm. each other. And I just had this prediction. I said this, explained this on a podcast episode I was recording earlier this week that I think Instagram making the changes towards being an e-commerce platform and a video platform is to kind of push people almost off the idea of Instagram to grow a social community and into the metaverse. Do you know they their new name is Meta? Of course. Yeah. I was like, wait, okay, okay. Yeah. yeah, So so for to bring everybody up to speed, if you if you're really really green to this conversation, Zuckerberg rebranded Facebook, which is the holding company of Instagram, WhatsApp, all these applications, to be called Meta because he wants you to think that like anything metaverse has to do with him. That's not necessarily yeah, of course the case. He does. But that also will be the biggest one because like you said, they've now collected data points on all of us forever. You don't think it's going to be the only one, huh? No. Everyone? Really? So absolutely everybody that's really into crypto web3 metaverse, they're like this to Mark Zuckerberg. To Zuck. Zuckerberg. Okay. Like he's like evil. Um, okay. for many reasons, but 
I absolutely do not think so. Even like the other day, Elon Musk was tweeting about how he was pulling everyone on Twitter saying like, do you guys think that these social media platforms are um, censoring us and this and that? He's like, I'm considering making my own. Now that would go. be so huge. I mean, he's working on making phones right now. So crazy with Tesla. Yeah. So like, I think people are kind of like waking up to like how we've been kind of controlled, especially with like banks. Um, totally. Another sector of crypto is like decentralized finance. So mm -hmm. I can like stake my crypto for like 12% interest, which is insane in my bank account. My savings account, I think I get 0 0.01 or something. Like something crazy. So small. Yeah. Yeah, I think the way to think about it is really similar to all of these are basically revolutions, right? All these technology revolutions and they they come fast. Like we're going to see more technology and you can't revolutions. Go backwards. No. And we'll see more in our lifetime than like our parents ever did or our grandparents obviously. Like it's coming so fast, but think about think about just the streaming revolution. How that changed television, right? It used to be that you'd buy a cable networks and you'd get your 5,000 channels, but there was no other option other than to watch things that way. Think about that with like metaverse, right? Like the social media as we know it is like having a cable subscription, but metaverse, it's as if all of these different digital universes are different streamings, right? So you have like your Hulu kind, you have your Netflix kind, you have your Amazon Prime kind, and you can choose which metaverse then you want to enter, correct? Just like you would choose which yeah. streaming service you want to consume content. Exactly. And there's going to be like multiple metaverses like that. And that's the weird thing is, is like, I don't know if I want to go in the metaverse, but I definitely love learning about it and like investing in it. But yeah, it is going to be interesting, but they're already starting like fashion week in the metaverse. Tommy totally. Hilfiger is like having a, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see what happens, but. Well, and I think it would be a cool place. It. Like for example, Paris Hilton hosted a new year's party in the metaverse and you could mm -hmm. buy a ticket to attend her virtual party in the virtual metaverse. And it looks like the Sims, like, and it sounds ridiculous, but I think if that's only going to get better over time and only more and more people are going to be into this idea over time, like how cool would it be to be able to go I mean, sit at a virtual dinner table with people that you admire, that you could buy a ticket yeah. to then you're not have you're not physically in that space, but you could strap on your, you know, your Oculus headset and be there. And and I had this conversation with my family and I got everyone so fired up at the dinner table that we had like <laughs> yes. designated talking stick to pass around so that each person could ask their question to make their point of whether it was good or bad. But my mom, you know, she's like, I work all day long and then I come home. I don't want to be on the computer. I don't want to be entertained by like putting on a headset. And I said, well, what if you could get to the end of your day and you could put on your Oculus headset and you could go on vacation? I was like, you could go and you could see and you could move your head around in this 3D space as if you were in Costa Rica sitting on the beach. Like, why not? Why wouldn't that be a possibility? Or you could see, you could watch your favorite sports game from the 50-yard line. You could do all of, you could go to a concert and be front row without actually physically being front row. I Like, my brain goes a million miles an hour on how cool it could be. Yeah. There's so many different options that, yeah, I think that's why it's so interesting to me. It's just like what's going to happen? My attention is into that stuff more lately than like totally what we've been doing that everyone's complaining about, you know? Totally. Totally. Like everyone complains about Instagram. So it gets annoying to me to like create content for it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> like so you guys hate it. 
<laughs> exactly. Okay, so let's evolve it one step further just for like, this is a fun little creative exercise. The training, the workshop you guys have been asking for is here and it is available on my website. The Kiss My Gifts motion graphics training for graphic designers was a raging success when we hosted it back in March. And now you can catch the replay and start to teach yourself gifts in this 60 minute, yes, 60 minutes, a whole hour, 60 minute training. You'll learn how to import your illustrator artwork into After Effects, the basics of After Effects motion graphic animation, three to five, really it's closer to five step-by-step keyframe animations. I literally am showing you how I do these exactly for my clients and then how to export your animation as a gift sticker. We talk process, we talk pricing, we talk creating motion graphics that are really going to move the needle for your clients and create something totally brag worthy out of their assets. Don't forget, take advantage of it. The kiss my gifts training available on my website, also linked in today's show notes or just go to mkwcreative.co and search GIFs, G-I-F. And yes, it's GIF. It's not GIF. I will die on that cross. Okay. So now you're a brand. Now it's three years from now, four years from now, you're in the metaverse. You're a brand photographer and you're no, I'm helping. retired. Cause you're retired. You're retired. Um, but the metaverse. <laughs> totally. Let's use the Cartier. Let's use the Cartier example. Cause we talked about that in the beginning of the episode. Yes. What if your Cartier how would you, if you were Cartier and you were establishing yourself in the metaverse, what kind of things would you do to entice people into your brand? Okay. So, which they already do this, but I would sell Cartier NFTs for you to wear in the metaverse. So everyone knows you're biatch Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and people like, I mean, Gary V talks about this all the time too. Like people buy nfts like as a social um social token yeah like it's a social token like people are going to be showing them off which actually twitter and instagram facebook all these websites now reddit um they're all gonna have like something built in so your nft Mm -hmm. avatar is i don't even have an nft but i'm interested you know i would buy a cartier one Mm -hmm. just not for as much but right, exactly. And I yeah. think there's a, there's a slow way to start to do this. So like, imagine you're in the metaverse, you've got your headset on, you're like, oh, I'm going to go walk into Cartier on like the Rodeo Drive of the metaverse. You go in. If you're not limited to the physicality of space and the physicality of of objects, but you can have things displayed like crazy. Like imagine you walk in and now there's a sales associate in the metaverse and they're like, Oh, I'm happy to show you what the bracelets are. And here are the actual, here are the NFT versions of the bracelet. And here's all of our actual physical bracelets that you can buy this right now. And we'll get it shipped to your house. Like yes, that I think could work. Yes. And well, like Samsung just bought land in the Contra land, which is some mm-hmm. metaverse. And like, you're actually like able to go into it and like get something like fixed, you know, I think Mm -hmm. pretty soon they're going to have like grocery store metaverses instead of going on your phone to like do the list and everything. Like you could just pop in and like literally like grab it. And then somehow it's going to show up on your doorstep. Totally. Totally. I was explaining this to, to a friend's mom who was, I was explaining the metaverse to her and her brain was like, like she could not put comprehend. Yeah. She goes, well, if I want to go to Nordstrom's and buy shoes, then I'm going to go to Nordstrom's. I don't know what shoes I want. I'm going to physically go to Nordstrom's and, and have them tell me what shoes I need. And I said, yeah, but imagine that, but they already had like all the data on like your size, what your preferences are, all your past shopping history that's already mm-hmm. optimized. And then imagine that you can see Digitally. things 
Right. Because if we think of websites now, like the user experience of going onto Nordstrom and putting in your size and filtering the brands and blah, 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 <laughs> and just seeing pages and pages of images, isn't that good of an experience? No, I, I'm looking for a wedding guest dress right now. And like, I only went on Revolve because it's more like tailored to what I like, but sure. like I was not loving everything. I was trying to go on Nordstrom, but I'm like, I'm not even bothering with this. It's Mm-mm. just... Because the department store is dead and the website version of the department store is like not that great. But if you could go into metaverse and be able to go see the things and see 360 and see the tailoring and see the, all the bits, even if it were the digital rendering of the thing, I think we're going to get to a point where that all gets so sophisticated that it then trumps the experience almost of being in person, right? Because you can actually experience that whole thing. So I'm yes. very into the idea. And like, I don't know what's going on with the world, but there's something about it right now where it's like, nobody has enough time. And it's not just entrepreneurs. Like I talk to all my friends and like, th- we're all going crazy to be quite honest. Like mm-hmm. I don't have time to call my mom back. I don't have time to see any like friends. Like it's just overwhelming. And I think that it's just going to keep getting worse in a way. So it's like all these things that are going to save us time. I think even though people might not be as open to embracing them, like enough of us are going to embrace it that it's Mm going to happen. Like, well, and it's why it's so important as a creative that's interested in these kind of things to like set time for yourself to even just explore the idea to even have conversations like this, because then it gets your brain moving towards, okay, what, what could this possibly look like? But you can't, like you're saying, if you're jumping from thing to thing to thing and you don't have time to even catch your breath or recharge before you go back out into the surf, right? It's really difficult to then dedicate time towards like the other creative ideas that you fired up. Yes, exactly. It's overwhelming. So I know this just came up for you this last week. So I want to use this as an example as well. But as a creative and as somebody who has a bajillion things going on, um, boundaries are super, super duper important. Yeah. And you just hired a VA to kind of help you outsource some stuff. So Mm -hmm. how have your boundaries evolved since you started? And what would be your like dream scenario for being like, oh, I'd love it if my day would look like this? Yeah. So they evolved so much because when I was shooting bloggers, like in the heart of it, I had probably like seven, like top tier, like successful Mm -hmm. bloggers that I was shooting for every like week or two weeks. It was a lot. And in that industry, everything's due like the next day, like, Mm -hmm. you know, and then there's like always problems with shipping. So my boundaries were terrible. I'd be working all the time and I was young you know, and I had to. So I almost got a divorce to be honest. Like it was oh my gosh. a lot. Yeah. So I had to create a lot of boundaries. Um, I stopped doing as many bloggers for that reason. So now I always like, even, even though everything's written out, people don't read. Okay. Mm-hmm. So with mm-hmm. my clients, I make sure I also have a call where I verbally tell them, I mean, I even just implemented this like two weeks ago because I started realizing no one's reading anything. Even if it's just a page long, they're not. So I let everyone know like your edit, your edits are ready in like two weeks. Um, I'm not changing like your body or face or anything. But if you really want that, it's going to be an extra charge per photo. Totally. You know, I have a guy. Um, totally. But, <laughs> yeah. And I just make sure they know like the other thing it it is hard I'm trying to work on it but a lot of my clients like have my number so they'll like text me and stuff and 
you know, if they're like a client I shoot with every month or like two times a month or whatnot, they can text me because we're not really talking about anything important. But For sure. Just logistics. I, I always just ask someone, like if they message me something that, where they need like information, please just send me an email because I'm trying to train someone and I can't have them help me through my phone, you know? Totally. No, it's super important to set that that boundary. And we have that in our contract when we work with clients is like all the communications need to stay in base camp. If it's not in base camp, we don't consider it seen. So if you're yeah. going to text me your Instagram DM or, or email me and it's not in the structure of what we've provided for you, we're not going to be responding to it. And there's a lot of clients I've had to push back on and be like, Great. This is a wonderful question yeah. to ask in your Basecamp folder. Like it's hard to where it's supposed to go. I think, you know, we do have a personal brand. At, totally. So I think that makes people think like they they feel so open with us and that they like they're our friends, which some of them are, you know, mm-hmm. that they can just talk to you all the time and ask for favors and text. And I think that's part of the reason why all of our brains are so discombobulated because I have DMs, I have WhatsApp, I have Twitter, Facebook, email, and I cannot check all of it all the time and things will fall through the cracks. So having like one way you do it is good. And definitely just telling people, I mean, now I'm not scared of people. Like I used to be so worried that they would get mad at me in a way. And I would okay. lose their business if I only wanted to email, you know? And now I'm kind of like, no, they want to work with me. Like, I need to make sure I'm doing a good job for them. So this is what's going to help us mm-hmm. as a team. Mm-hmm. My mom always says, client frustrations are missed expectations. So if a client's upset at you, it's because they didn't understand what yeah. it is that you were delivering or how you were delivering it or when you were delivering it or what you needed from them. So over communicating, like I love that you're doing it on, on video call now or phone call where you really explain to them, this is when you can't anticipate things coming back, et cetera. I started probably like a year ago. I record all of my client calls, which is great oh because then gosh, for my team, evidence. Also that, also that. And I've had to use that before. So yes, um, I record all the client calls. They sign a photo video release at the beginning of their contract. But I mean, I just posted on Instagram this week, like I had a logo review call with a client and I got her actual genuine reaction telling me how much she loved it, like on video, like that's gold. That's way better than like a forced testimonial of like, we loved working with them. It's like boring. This is her actual, like you crush it. I'm obsessed. Everyone that I've shown this to is obsessed with it. This is exactly what I wanted. I have no edits. And I'm like, perfect. That's the kind of testimonial I want. Smart. Yeah. And it wasn't like forced and it wasn't, it was like actually her genuine reaction. And that's, and you can't fake that. Like you people could fake a review, you know, totally, totally. So I think those are ways to kind of, again, if you're looking to incorporate more video into your brand, finding ways to record your process is so important. And then to actually get like the client feedback, I think is also really important. Yes. Um, But yeah, oh my gosh, we covered so much. These are great, great tips in this, in this episode to kind of wrap it up. um, So what do you think makes your brand particularly brag worthy? I think the fact that I'm very honest and I listen to my clients and I make sure I'm getting what they want. Like at the end of the day, I have my goal is always to ask them questions to understand what do you want? Because sometimes they don't know how to say it. So 
so much my process is that. And I think that's how I get a happy customer in the end because I really made sure nothing really was about me. This is for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And that's how I have a brand that a lot of people trust and recommend and keep coming back to. Absolutely. Uh, What's one thing that you think you do particularly well in your business? And what's one thing you'd like to be better at? Um, I think I'm really good at understanding people and what they want and delivering that. And I want to get better at outsourcing things. (laughs) Yes. Love that. So I can work on some bigger ideas. Yeah. I see that for you. I definitely see that for you. I think you could, you totally could. Yeah. (laughs) And the the great thing about working for yourself, and my dad told me this at the very beginning too, is when you work for yourself, there's no limit to the amount of money you can make. And that was a very liberating idea for me as a 20 year old when I started my business, because I was like, wait a second, what? So you mean it's just a factor of making the right moves and developing different streams of income and like sorting out how much I actually want to work? Because we had that conversation too. Like I'm at the point of I'm growing my business so that someday I don't have to work so much. That's kind of the mm-hmm. point um, is to grow it so that you can have the lifestyle you want. Very lifestyle forward. Yeah. Life is so short and totally. I want to enjoy it. So that's totally. like the main goal. <laughs> Heck yeah. Heck yeah. yeah. Amazing. Well, where can everyone find you, follow you, connect with you, maybe even work with you? Where can they find you online? Yeah, uh, my website's arielevphoto.com and on Instagram, arielevphoto or the Glow Loft. Perfect. Sweet. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It was so great chatting with you and you guys go follow her work. It's incredible. If you see any of the brand photos on my website or on my social, um, those are Ariel. So thanks for coming on. Thank you. Bye. Thanks again for joining us for the Kiss My Aesthetic podcast. I'm your host, Michelle, of course, and it would mean the world to me if you would go ahead and leave us a review and follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else that you listen to podcasts, really. The Kiss My Aesthetic Facebook group is also going to be a killer resource for you to ask questions, get feedback on anything branding, marketing, or entrepreneurship related. And to catch today's show notes or anything that we talked about in this episode, make sure you go to mkwcreative.co slash kmapod. We'll catch you next time.